I kind of had a conversation with <laughs> Marcella and she was saying how I was rushing into this and we need to be patient and make sure that it's actually a good deal and that the numbers work and not just buy a property because we have a deal in front of us. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away, but if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at besteverconference.com because the earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we got follow on Friday. Today, we're going to be talking about web scraping as it relates to building a database of properties Instead of doing it manually, there are other alternatives or there are alternatives to doing a manual input of data in order to build a database of properties and owners that you can reach out to. And we're going to be talking about one of them, and that's web scraping. And Theo's actually doing it. And someone in my private consulting group, he actually discovered the idea and shared it with my consulting group. And then Theo started doing it and other people have, and they've had a lot of success. So wanted to share it with you all. Plus we got some other miscellaneous updates. Theo, are you ready to rock? Yep. So just want me to jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So as you said, there are obviously other ways to do this. What I really like about this approach is compared to other ways, it doesn't require an ongoing membership to do. You don't have to use this person for the entire process of creating the list and doing the direct mail. It allows you to create a list one time for whatever market you want. And then if you want to do it again, you can, but you don't have to. So I really like the fact that it's kind of an independent thing. You don't have to do some sort of yearly membership or anything like that. And it's cheap. Yeah, it was surprisingly cheap. As you guys know, I've done a direct mailing campaign before and I've created my own list manually before. And obviously that was free and sending the mailer out was free, but this tactic gives you more information than you would have gotten otherwise. And as Joe said, pretty inexpensive. So I'll, I'll get into it. So it's called web scraping. And there's this website called upwork.com. And it's basically like an online freelancing platform. You basically would, would post a job that you want to have completed, whether it be edit a book or in this case, create a list for you. And then people will reply with a bid for the job. And you kind of read through their profiles and see what their experience is, what their job success rate is, things like that. So for me, we actually already had a, a freelancer who had completed this exercise. So I just actually used him. But when I posted my job, and to this day, I still get people offering to do it for me. So I've got like 30 messages of people wanting to do it, ranging from 100 bucks to 400 bucks. Basically, what you do is you create an Excel spreadsheet and create column headers for all the information that you want to gather for your market. If you're doing multiple markets, you're going to want to have a section that says market and then you know, sub-markets. For example, I did Tampa Bay. That's why I did Tampa Bay as my main market. I had 10 sub-markets or 10 neighborhoods that I wanted him to look at. And then I wanted apartment name. I wanted apartment address. I wanted things like number of units. I want to know when it was sold, how much it was sold for, what the rents for the units, things like that. So for my web scraping exercises, there was two sources of data. One was apartments.com. And the reason why I personally like apartments.com is because not only does it list active apartments, so apartments that have active listings, but also apartments that don't have any listings at all. So you kind of get both. You can kind of gather all the data that you need for all the apartments in that area. 
So you basically go so one is apartments.com and the other one, it's called different things in different markets, but I just call it the county auditor site or the county appraiser site. And that's where you get detailed information on the sales and you know, maybe tax values and things like that. So you have to know where you're getting the data from. And basically what you do is you post a job, you hire someone, and then we decided just to create a video, a screen recording of us actually filling out our Excel spreadsheet just for one entry. My video was like 15 minutes long because I course I talked forever <laughs> so it's probably a lot longer than it should have been but you do a screen recording and say hey this is what I want you go to apartments.com you click on an apartment you gather all you show them where the information is on the actual listing you input it into your self document and then you go to the auditor site you look up that address you go on there and of course that's the most important part because the auditor site is gonna be different for everyone in Tampa Bay is a lot different than the one in Cincinnati you go on there show them exactly how to navigate the site how to find the data and then input it into the process sheet, and then that's it. And then you go and you send the web scraper and Excel spreadsheet and the video, and from there, you wait a couple of days, and then next thing you know, you get a message with over 4,000, 5,000 uh, apartments with all the data that you want, and the cost, as I mentioned earlier, for this particular exercise was $300 for me, but that's because I used the same guy that your client used, and I did have offers that were... Less than $300, but I knew for a fact that this guy could do it. It was worth kind of paying 300 bucks because in reality, like compared to what you would pay someone else to do this, it would be in the thousands of dollars or having a co-star membership in thousands of dollars. I always went ahead with this guy. So where I'm at right now is I just got the Excel document back on Tuesday, I believe. And from your guys' perspective, whatever your outcome is, is what you can do with that data, whether it be for market research, whether it be for rental comps. You can use it for rental comps. You can use it for direct mailing, which is what I'm going to use it for. So now I want to in turn either myself or hire another third-party company to perform a direct mailing campaign for me based off of the properties that were gathered and kind of the information that's on there. So that's kind of a broad overview of the process as well as what I plan on doing with the results. I'm making sure I'm summarizing it correctly. One is know what you want. So in this case, it's a database of properties and the owners of those properties. And then two, you go on Upwork, you hire someone to web scrape. What's the job posting say in terms of what type of position you're looking for? I said to my exact title was Tampa Bay apartment web scraping. And then it allows you to put a description. Cause you want to put web scraping. That's just like the lingo that the freelancers understand. And then the description that I use is gather data on two websites and fill out a provided Excel documents. Because for them, they don't really care what they're actually looking at. They don't need to know they're doing it for real estate. I'm pretty sure that they have like a program they create that literally, again, scrapes the websites for the data and then populates it into a text file that they then convert to Excel. But I'm gonna let it be known that it's web scraping and then kind of explain high level description of the number of sites they're scraping. Maybe I should have also put in at least a description, the number of data points I was looking at, but since I was messaging this guy back and forth, my first message to him went into detail of how many I expected to look at, how many markets I was looking at. So if you want to put that in the description, that's fine. But again, I got a bunch of responses just for this description. And again, the title is your city name, apartment web scraping. And the description is gather data on two websites and fill out a provided Excel document. Cool. So know what we want, then go to Upwork and post it. And then when we post it, mention that they're getting sources from two different websites and then have a video 
that describes what you're looking for and give them a spreadsheet template that shows the different data points or categories that you want them to complete. And if you're doing it to find properties, then you'll want to have the owner's information, contact information from the county assessor's website, or at least their entity, as well as whatever relevant information you want on the property. And if you can get thousands of leads from this in a very short period of time, it's a beautiful thing and it will save you money, save you time and make you money in a shorter period of time. So first off, Whitney and our group is the one who came to us with this information. This isn't new technology, by the way. And so some of the, the IT listeners who are really tech savvy, are like, dude, Joe, come on, web scraping. <laughs> it's been around a little while. I get that. But I haven't heard this used to the degree that we're using it or in this capacity. So there you go. It will be helpful for you if you're looking for off-market deals. Everyone who says, hey, I'm looking for off-market deals is a hot market. Hey, here's an approach to do. All right, Theo, what else is going on? So a couple of updates on my rental property. We've even talked in in, in quite a while. Um, Some pros and some cons. So on my actual properties that I own, Number one, we officially, a lease for our single family house officially started in the beginning of April. They're actually not moving in until June or July, but since we moved, we wanted to start the lease earlier than July because we didn't want to have to pay for multiple mortgages for that long. So that's a good sign and they're paying, which is, which is obviously the most important thing. In regards to my three fourplexes, we had our first two turnovers, which we were expecting for both these people. Not necessarily expecting, but I guess wanting. And we decided to go ahead and kind of break into the walls and do plumbing work that needed to be done and figured it'd be best to do it while they were vacant. And we're going to have to do this to all the buildings. So that's kind of unfortunate. And it was pretty expensive, but... How much? We replaced the entire stack and it was three grand. And when you say stack, we define what you mean by stack. Yes. These properties are really old. Is we have these long cast iron sewage pipes going through the entire house, and that's what's all the, the toilets and the sinks and the, and the sinks are connected to. And like, I don't understand kind of the architecture, the design behind these things, but there's all these different elbows and these different places where all this literally crap gets stuck. And we had so many problems. We had so many calls with clogged toilets, clogged sinks, clogged tubs. And I probably spent almost three grand just in labor and in supplies to fix these things. And so we decided to just break into the walls, but no one's living there. And you had to go in there and basically take out the entire cast iron stack, which is from the roof, all the way to the basement. It's a two-story building. And then replace it with PVC. How they do this, I don't know, but <laughs> it must be pretty complicated if it costs three grand, because obviously the majority of that is in, in labor. And so I'll have to do that two, five more times as we can just turn over. So three thousand times five? Yeah. So I assume that was in the, you said pros and cons. That was in the cons category. Although if once it's fixed, it's fixed. And then that's a pro, I guess. And honestly, I didn't even think to look at this when I bought the house. So moving forward now, when I'm looking at properties, as you all know, I look at the boilers and I look at the plumbing to see if they have cast iron. Because if they have cast iron, I know that most likely I'm going to have to replace them. So that's one of the cons. <laughs> Do you have a document where you keep a running list of boilers and cast iron, things like that? Like a cost or just the, the mistakes? 
Things you would look at closer on the next deal. Do you have a document, a running document, or is that just in your head because you got burned on it so it's hardwired? I would say both. It's in my head. It's hardwired, like emotionally now. For sure. <laughs> um, but I, I also created a, since I'm out in Cincinnati and I've got all these properties that my agent and my property manager are looking at, I sent them a document, an Excel spreadsheet for them to kind of put like yes or no's or one through five rankings for things. And on there, I've got the normal stuff like what appliances, what's the conditions of the floors and the roof. and But then I've got two specific ones for like the boiler. Like tell me about the boiler. Tell me about the plumbing in the basement. And I want pictures of all this stuff. I need to know before I make any decision to submit an offer. Because again, those are really, really expensive to fix. It's not in a Word document, but I have it included in the checklist that I sent to my boots on the ground in Cincinnati. And what about the pros? So the pros, so a couple of good things. Let's go over one more negative first. From my direct mailing campaign, I told everyone that one of the properties I was really excited about, we were in negotiation with the owner, and the owners fell off the face of the earth. So we're not going to do that deal. The other backup deal that we're going to do, I decided against, specifically because of the location. It's on the edge of the neighborhood that I'm interested in, and a place called Norwood. And that mm-hmm. part of Norwood that it borders is not a very nice area. So I was not going to be able to get the same rents. I was on my property. And I kind of had a conversation with Marcella and she was saying how I was rushing into this and we need to be patient and make sure that it's actually a good deal and that the numbers work and not just buy a property because we have a deal in front of us. So we decided to pass specifically because of the location and the fact that we were not going to be able to increase the rents to the point where it made financial sense. And in part, because we're still kind of holding out for that other property because if we get that property, it would be our best deal. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I know one of the owners is interested and I'm sure he's trying to convince the other person. So that's the less bad news, so to speak, but there's still you know, hope in the future. And we're going to do a second direct mailing campaign here in a month to the same list and hope that we get a bite. How many people did you send it to? Do I remember 600 or am I making that up? The direct yeah, mail? It was about 500 people. 500 yeah. people. But now that you've done the web scraping, you have a list. Oh, that's Tampa though. Right. Why didn't you do it for Cincinnati? You're buying in Cincinnati. This is actually for apartments. I've partnered up, so to speak, with someone here in Tampa who can raise money. And so these are kind of two separate things. The one in Cincinnati is more personal, and I've already got a direct mailing campaign going for that. The web scraping is actually for Tampa Bay, and I'm looking at apartments in the 20 to like 60 unit range. So they're okay. separate. Okay. I'm just curious if it costs, say, 300 bucks to do it for Cincinnati, and you are actively looking to buy in Cincinnati. Why would you want to build your database in Cincinnati and mail it out to instead of 600 of the same ones, 3,000 and increase your chances? The only reason why I'm not doing it for Cincinnati, I basically already did it myself. So I have all of the four to 19 unit properties in four neighborhoods and I have all the same data that I would have gotten through the web scraping. It took a long time to figure out how to do it, but I have a system now where I just kind of can download all the information for all of Cincinnati and then just filter out the data that I want. Okay. Um, I, I just don't know how to do it for Tampa and I couldn't figure it out. Got it. So you, you MacGyvered it for Cincinnati. Okay, fair enough. Cool. And then lastly, under the good news, we successfully raised rents. We're four for four in raising rents and having people re-sign our leases. And so we're uh, one building at a time, sending out letters of the rental increases. From what uh, for, to what? All the buildings are two one beds and two two beds. For the one beds, we're going from 580 to 685. And we're two for two with the yeses. And for the two beds, we're going from 750 to 825. 
and we go two for two with the guesses of resigning releases. And then we set letters out to the second building, and we're still awaiting responses on that. One person is going to be leaving, not based off of the, the rental increase, it's based off of other reasons. And we're waiting back on, on three of them. And then we're going to send it to the third building this month. But two of those units are actually vacant, so it'll only be toward two people. So those rental increases are going to be very helpful now that I'm spending all this money on plumbing and still <laughs> catching up on the boiler. So, <laughs> oh, Congrats on that. Are you investing any money into those units in order to increase those rents, or is that just through the market appreciation? Oh, market appreciation. Cool. Congrats on that. Someday. I do know that if I put in granite countertops and new floors, I could demand more rent. It's just I could pay for it right now, but I'd much rather just take the $100 increase or the $75 increase and kind of rebuild up capital so that when it gets turned over again, I can do that and raise the rents even more. Because there are units in the area that are becoming more and more, I guess, luxurious, but not enough for me to be comfortable to be one of those second or third people to do it. And sorry if I just interrupted you accidentally. The sound was going in and out. That's why I thought you were done. (laughs) Sorry. I'm done now. All right. Fair enough. What about you, Joe? Well, congrats, by the way, on getting those units increased in rent and selecting a location through research as well as just being fortunate. Probably more so research than fortunate, but there's still a combination of both. So congrats on that. And for me, well, Colleen and I just got back from New York City and Philadelphia trip. We were in New York for a week and Philadelphia for a couple days The purpose of those trips was to meet with investors, had an investor happy hour in New York City on Friday evening, and it was really cool to hang out with 20, 25, maybe 30 or so investors and people who I have spoken to, but they haven't invested yet. So it was good that they met other investors in our deals and just got to catch up with some people who I have known for a while. That was great. Then we went to Philadelphia and attended Dave Van Horn's conference. It was really well put on. Highly recommend going to that next year. Mid-Atlantic Summit, I believe is the name of it. But if you just search Dave Van Horn Philadelphia conference, it will come up. And I think there's a way to sign up for next year. I did a keynote at that conference Met up with some investors as well as some clients in my program and had a great time. Just really grateful. Some lessons I learned from that conference. I was looking at my notes from my phone. Just a couple things that I want to mention on the podcast. One challenge that I have as I'm growing my business is to scale the business. And Jay Scott just phenomenal person to learn from. If you haven't come across him, you should. I think he's got a website, one, two, three flip. I'm not sure, but Jay Scott, I know he has a book actually that is called that, but he did a presentation in February at my conference on negotiating. Really, really good. I took a ton of notes there. And then in this conference, he did a presentation on scaling your business. And that really resonated with me. And one of the areas that he focused on was documentation, having the employee document the process. And it's helpful to scale an organization because if the process that that individual 
does is not documented, then as he says, if you can't be replaced, then you can't be promoted. And that's the approach that I, I take with my team is I want to be able to promote you, but I can't promote you if I can't replace you. And I can't replace you if we can't replicate or get near to what you're doing with someone else. So Theo, you're on my team. So you know how I emailed out a week or so ago about document your role. What do you work on specifically? Because ultimately, if I want to scale the business, then documentation needs to take place and there needs to be a big old manual so that we can all elevate our game. And initially I was thinking, well, I don't want people to think that we're documenting it so that when they get fired, we have someone who can replace them because that's not the case. It's more, I want to scale. And when he said the quote, if you can't be replaced, then you can't be promoted. That made sense. And one of my brothers is in the military. He's a lieutenant colonel in the army. And he was telling me about their review process or just their overall approach. When he takes command, he just came from South Korea. He had command of a battalion. And the whole goal is to be replaceable. And it's kind of bittersweet initially because you want to be needed so much that, oh, man, he just left. Oh, we really need him. Mm -hmm. But if that is the case, then you didn't do your job. Because you have to be replaceable that way the system is stronger. If the system depends on an individual, then it's not a business. It's just interdependent monarchy or something. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's not a business. So that's been one takeaway. Number two is from a raising money standpoint, for anyone looking to build investors, I've got two tips for you. One is attend self-directed IRA events put on by self-directed IRA companies. I'm at the place now where I don't need to do that, quite frankly. I don't need to go to those events. But in the early stages of my business, where my podcast wasn't where it was and we didn't have the track record that we've got now and I was less established, I certainly, if I heard a guy or gal say attend self-directed IRA events, put on by self-directed IRA companies to reach passive investors. Oh, I'd be Googling right now while I'm listening. Self-directed IRA company event conference. And I'd be going to those because those are individuals who have a theory. They have a self-directed IRA who are looking to invest and do something with it. So they're already farther along on the education. So attending those conferences. And the second point on raising money and helping is asking yourself, who do you know who comes in contact with a lot of people and do they know what you do? So think about who do you know who comes in contact with a whole bunch of people? Is it a accountant? Is it a fitness trainer? Is it a coach for a certain team or whatever? And do they know what you do? Very simple and kind of obvious, mm -hmm. but unless we intentionally put it into practice, we won't get to the results. I mean, quite frankly, I haven't put that into practice. I haven't even gone through that thoughtful, intentional exercise of thinking, who do I know who comes in contact with a lot of people on a regular basis? And they exactly know what I do. I haven't really done that intentionally. That would be a worthy exercise to do if you're looking to bring in investors. Those, those are lessons I learned from the conference. The first one about the self-directed IRA, I remember I went to a RE 
IA meeting down here and we met a guy who owns a self-directed IRA business and the guy's contact information was talking about it. He kind of mentioned how he's not like allowed to, he personally is not allowed to give us information about people, but I'm fairly certain it is a lot different if you're actually going to a conference and you're actually going to the people directly instead of going through a person who is in charge of their self-directed IRAs. I think those people are still a good contact to have because I didn't fully understand what he was saying, but he was explaining how if you find passive investors and you send them to him, he can help them set up a self-directed IRA, which kind of helps them, I guess, invest their money better in, in deals. So I just want to just kind of mention that, that it's good to have relationships with people that have self-directed IRAs, but also people that, I guess, work for self-directed IRA companies because they can be a good resource for your passive investors. Yeah, absolutely. And then you said how you went on your trips to Philly and New York. You plan on doing that, like kind of doing like a full American trip, like going to all the major <laughs> cities and meeting up with all your investors? Yes, I plan on doing a full American trip. I like the way you <laughs> I like the way you put that. If you're watching the video over my shoulder, there's a calendar of all the travels. Looks like going to San Francisco and LA in June, late June, Houston, Dallas, Chicago. Yeah, they're all throughout the year. And if you're an investor with me or we've had a conversation about potentially investing, then you will be notified in advance of those trips because we're doing a get-together for investors. So if you want to be included, and we haven't had a conversation yet, if you want to be included on Meetup for accredited investors, then you can go to investwithjoe.com and we'll get to know each other and then we'll send you the information on the Meetup so we can hang out and get to know each other even more in person. And then is there a structure to this event or just kind of a happy hour Everyone just chatting it up pretty natural. Yeah, no structure. Okay. My goal is to simply just connect with people. It's really it to, for everyone to enjoy themselves. At the New York City happy hour, it was literally, we had an area sectioned off for us. And we just hung out, talked. There was a shuffleboard. I don't think anyone played shuffleboard, but there's shuffleboard, some couches, some music at the bar and basically went around, talked to everyone. Frank, my business partner was not able to attend that one. He had some things come up from a family standpoint, but I think he's going to try and attend the LA one whenever we do that. So other than that, yeah, it's just us hanging out. Colleen will be there too. Awesome. Sweet. And we launched besteverCauses.com. I think we did mention that already on a previous podcast. So I'll never tell anyone how to give ever. We all give back in our own unique ways, time, money, whatever. But I do want to highlight causes that are doing good. And there's not enough days in the year. If we highlighted one a day, there's still not enough time to highlight all the causes that should be highlighted. But we are starting that monthly. So we're highlighting the cause a month, bestevercauses.com. And you can see the one we highlighted there. You can choose to contribute financially or not, or you can just choose to read the stuff and get some warm fuzzies in your heart because of some things that other people that are doing that are good helping others. I think that's great to provide a resource to investors because you know, we always talk about giving back. It's just we're making it easier to do that. And, and, and you can decide whether you want to do that or not. So yeah, I think that's a noble cause. Sweet. So just to wrap up, make sure you guys join the Best Ever community on Facebook. You can find that by going to bestevercommunity.com. We post a question each week 
and write a blog post on it with all of your answers so you can be featured on the best ever blog. This week's question is how much money do you want or need to retire? So make sure you guys go to the best ever community.com. That question should be relatively close to the top. Submit your answer and you'll be featured in the blog post. What a different type of answer though, between want and need. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like how much money do you want slash need? Those are like two completely different directions. I would think maybe not, maybe need equals want for some people. Maybe I'm not thinking it the right way, but I would think a need is financial independence and a want is financial abundance. Yeah, there you go. I just like these questions because it kind of just like sparks, not necessarily creativity, but it makes you think about these things. I mean, of course, as real estate investors, we're always detailing out what we need to do to get to where we want to go. But I think these questions are still good thought experiments and kind of what you said right there, like, oh, well, there's a difference between what I need to retire and what I actually want to retire. So what's kind of more important. And once I get what I need to retire, will I be able to get to what I want based off of the psychological aspects of being kind of pushed to that because you need it versus like what you want and things like that. I just think it's pretty interesting. I think so. But I agree with what you're saying about financial independence versus financial abundance. They're two completely different things for most people, but it could be the same for some. Yeah. And as far as to retire part, that's a whole nother conversation we will not get into here. But (laughs) when you retire and you have nothing to do, then you die statistically like a couple of years later. Yeah. Literally, literally and statistically (laughs) a couple of years later, if you're male, females, I think live longer. They're smarter than us, but males statistically we die. This is an insurance study. And if uh, Grant can find it somewhere, Tony Robbins talked about it, I think in one of his audio series. So good luck finding it, but I'm sure it's a Google search too. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point is when we retire, I should have clarified when we retire and we don't have anything to do, then statistically we die as males. But if we retire and have other things to engage us, then we continue to live all things being equal. So sweet. Then just to finish it off, please, please, please go to the show on, on iTunes and leave a review. And if you do, you'll have the chance to be featured on this podcast right now. This week's review of the week is from M Germinator. And they said, <laughs> plenty of strategies for all as the title of the review. And the review is Joe's podcast is to the point on various real estate strategies. Unlike some of the other podcasts, He cuts to the chase and discovers key points and takeaways from each guest. Even better, since it's a daily podcast. If you don't like a show, jump to the next one. Nice work, Joe. Thank you, The Germinator. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. I'm confident this episode added a lot of value for anyone who's looking for off-market deals or anyone who's looking to bring in investors. And that's pretty much the audience for this podcast. So thank you, Theo. And thank you, Whitney, for the concepts and bringing the concepts to life on the web scraping. And thank you, Dave Van Horn, for hosting your conference and putting together the group of people that you did so that we can all learn from it. Hope everyone has the best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Best ever listeners, we've got the best ever conference coming up in February. What? February? Yes. I know that's a long way away. But if you want to save on the tickets, then get them now at bestevercomference.com because 
The earlier you buy them, the more money you'll save on them. So go to besteverconference.com. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more.